0: Election Day is Tuesday, everybody knows that, and it's a big one. I don't know, maybe it's, I mean, I know I'm probably not as uh, old as some of you and have uh, the experience of elections in your history, but this one seems like it's uh, the craziest election, at least in my lifetime. And, uh, and I know there are, are always controversies over elections, there's always, you know, several different sides and opinions and perspectives. There's always negative ads, there's always smear campaigns, and the usual election year politics. There's always that stuff, but on top of all that usual rigmarole that we go through every time there's an election, it seems to me like, uh, from the way everybody's talking about these two candidates, from both sides, that uh, instead of electing a new president because more people like one of the candidates better than the other, and that's how somebody gets elected. You get more votes than the other people. It, instead of that, it seems like this time we're going to elect a president because more people hate one candidate less than they hate the other. And it's, you know, it's, it's this kind of crazy position that we're in. And, of course, there are talking heads on TV and radio people and, and uh, strangers in Walmart and everybody and their brother who's got an opinion who will try to tell you Who to vote for, or who not to vote for, or whether or not you should vote at all, or who you should vote against, or, you know, everybody has an opinion, and some people are more than happy to share it with you and tell you what they think you ought to do. I'm not going to do that this morning. Instead, I thought that it would be helpful to, to kind of back up a little bit and review some of the basics and brush up on some of the foundational principles of what every election ought to be about. And and the first thing to consider in any election, I think, is, well, what is government for? Why have a government at all? Why do we hire people or elect people to serve as our representatives and our leaders? Of course, there are common answers like, you know, for a national election, you, we, one of the reasons we came together as states and put a government in place over the federal system was so that we could have a national defense. So there was a common defense for all the states. So that's, you know, there's answers like that or, or to protect the rights of individual citizens no matter where they're from. And, and there's things like that. But I think the foundational principle goes even deeper than that, which is why early on our founders wrote what they wrote in the Declaration of Independence. And I'm not going to go through that whole thing, but I think that's a great thing to read before any election is the Declaration of Independence because it says why we have the kind of government that we have and why we decided to, instead of being under the King of England and the British Empire, why we decided to, to be separate from that rule and have our own government and a different kind of government than than ever was in the world and I think than ever has been. Um it all comes down to one truth, the, the formation of government, I believe. And and, it's, and that truth is, is that people are created in the image of God and for the glory of God. And the, I think the foundation of government comes out of that truth. Genesis 1 says that. In Genesis 1.27, it says, God created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. And so God made us. And He made us to be like Him. He gave us the, you know, a moral instinct, and the ability to choose for ourselves and think for ourselves. And He gave us rule over the earth. As human beings, we're the top of, of everything else except for God. And so He gave us power to do that and and the purpose of our, and on top of that, God planted the truth of himself in our hearts. So he made us with, with us, with him to be, a, he was meant to be a part of us. We were designed, what you've probably heard it said, with a God shaped hole. And we don't operate correctly without God filling that hole. The, the purpose of our existence is to reflect God, to be like him. Not to be God, but to be like him. We were created in his image to reflect his glory and to operate like him he rules over the universe and we rule over the earth and uh, he made us with a built-in government called the conscience so we came prepackaged with our own governor inside of us that tells us don't do this it's wrong this is okay and when you're young at least your conscience usually flares up if you're about to do something you know you shouldn't do your your brain says no that's wrong don't do it don't do it so we're, we're all, we have that built-in government inside of us. So the foundational purpose of government is to enhance the reflection that God built into us, to enhance God. When our conscience says, don't do something bad, do do something good, it's telling us to be more like God. God wants us to reflect Him, so He put in a, a system of government inside of us that says, reflect God. Do what God would do. You know they had the bracelets in the old days, what would Jesus do? That's your conscience tells you to do what Jesus would do and we're built they we would come prepackaged with that we're designed with that we, we're everybody, every human being that's ever been born has been given that ability. so when we don't do what God would do, when we don't act like Jesus would act, serious problems arise when people try to rewire. Or, or turn off that internal government, which is possible. You can get to the point where you kind of deaden it. You don't feel it. You don't think about what you're doing. Lots of people do that. When we do that, problems arise. And Romans 1 talks about that. It says, Romans one eighteen, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. So they choose to do things they know they shouldn't do and not to do things they know they should do. And they suppress the truth. They beat down that government. They push it back. Because they don't want to listen to that internal government. And it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against these people. Because what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. We're built. We're, everybody's wired with this. God made it simple and clear for everybody to understand. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, even though you can't see God directly, the things of God, it says, His internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So even though you can't see God, you can see what He's made and understand who God is because of what He's made. So people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal human beings or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. So we all come prepackaged with the sense of God, with the image of God, with the, the government of God built into us, we look at creation and we know who God is and the kind of God that He is because of how He's made us and how He's made the, the universe around us. It's completely apparent. Nobody in this world truly believes there's no God. They simply suppress that truth. If people call themselves atheists and agnostics and, and you know believe in other religions and whatnot, but the truth is everybody believes in God, but they don't want to do what God tells them to do and they suppress that truth through their unrighteousness and they're guilty because of it so people don't go to hell because they never heard of Jesus people go to hell because they know god and they choose to turn their backs on it when any government this is, and this is both your like your personal government and an, or a, a state government or a national government any government at any level any time they reject god or a person rejects god it ceases to be a life enhancing benefit and becomes a destructive liability. Government is supposed to make things better. It's supposed to help you to, to do well and to bless you, whether it's your own internal government or a national government or a local you know, government is designed to help society and help individuals have better lives. But when when a government rejects God, it stops being a benefit and it becomes a liability. All this new legislation that's been in the news these past couple of years about, uh, things that, you know, like allowing men to go hang out in women's bathrooms or in girls' locker rooms. And, uh, or, or the, the laws that try to, and the litigation that tries to shut down Christian businesses that don't want to offer abortion medications or, per, or services. Or, or the businesses that say, I would really rather not bake a cake or, or take photographs for a wedding that celebrates sinful sexuality. That and there's litigation and laws that try to put those businesses out of business, that try to shut them down and find them into, into nothing because they don't want people to be able to decide for themselves what they believe in and live their lives according to those beliefs. All the, the skyrocketing rates of, of broken families and, uh, and cohabitation instead of marriage. Divorce is generally the same, but there's a whole lot less people getting married. They just say, let's live together. Let's have you know, kids together or whatever and not worry about marriage. Um, and that's going, that's going up fast. Or the, the websites that offer... I, I think I might have seen a commercial on TV even that offer services for people who want to commit adultery. Specifically. I mean, there's plenty of relationship websites and services, but there are ones designed specifically so that people who are married can meet someone else who's married and have an affair. Those kinds of things... The, the special rights for the L G B T Q R S T U V all those people. The, the special rights that people have got those, all of that, every bit of it is a direct result of exchanging God's design for the world's sinful desire. And Romans goes on to say that. As Romans 1 at verse 24 says, Therefore, because they suppressed the truth of God, because they wanted to do what was evil, and not do what was good, they suppressed the truth of God. Because of that, in verse 24, it says, Therefore, God gave them over in the desires of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creation rather than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions, For their women exchanged the natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And likewise, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed in their passions for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So, I mean, if you talk about this increased weird sexuality, about people not knowing what bathroom to use and and hooking up with people they're not married to and, and... homosexuality, and all that stuff. All of that is a result of us suppressing the truth of God and doing things that we know we shouldn't do. And in fact, not just the sexual stuff, but all of our problems as a society are directly linked to our nation turning its back on the Lord. And that goes on to say that. In verse 28 it says, "...when they refused to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their evil minds and He let them do things that should never be done." Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They are forever inventing new ways of sinning and are disobedient to their parents. When we suppress the, the, the truth of God, even bad children come out of that. They refuse to understand. They break their promises and are heartless and unforgiving. They are fully aware of God's death penalty for those who do these things, yet they go right ahead and do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Every problem we have as a society stems from the problem of suppressing the truth of God through unrighteousness. There is nothing that, and there, there are no problems that we have that don't stem from ignoring God. The problem is because, because of our design, because of the way that God made us, to glorify God with our lives and, and to have a relationship with Him, we have this compelling drive in us to worship. We're designed to worship God. We're designed to have a connection with Him, a relationship with Him. 24-7, all the time, we're always meant to be in connection with God. But when people have rejected God and they've turned that off and they've cut themselves loose from the Lord, they'll worship anything but God. Remember when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well and she said, you guys worship at, you know, in Jerusalem, but we worship here in, in Samaria. And uh, Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. We don't have the same kind of idols that people had back in Jesus' day, but the practice of idolatry is just as rampant, if not more so. Instead of wood and stone images, these days we have electronic gadgets and we have entertainment services and and sex and drugs and alcohol and, and even certain baseball teams. And if you look at the way people act about these things, whatever it is, there's lots of things that you can choose from. The way people act about these things and compare them with the way people act in church, there's a lot lot more excitement over some of this stuff, these things that God created than there is about God. And that's worship. I mean, we were designed to worship. We were designed to worship God though. And the problem is when we cut ourselves off from God, we worship other things. We worship created things, which is actually what it was talking about. We worship images made of stone, wood, electronics, whatever. And Jesus went on to tell the woman at the well that God, He said, God is spirit. And people who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. But when people turn to sin, they, they don't stop worshiping. They just stop worshiping God. They, they start worshiping Instead of in spirit and truth, they start worshiping in the flesh and falsely. That's why the path to destruction is so wide and easy. we we are built for worship. So when people start following their flesh instead of the spirit, and and they start worshiping created things instead of our Creator, sin becomes easy. Right? That you know that's why the Bible says the path to destruction is wide and easy, and many go on it. The path to righteousness is narrow and you find it because we're designed to worship so when we turn our backs we worship whatever will come in front of our faces whatever looks good so evil becomes a second nature almost and that's what ephesians 2 that's what when you read ephesians 2 3 it's what it says how people live out their lives in the cravings of our flesh indulging the desires of our flesh and the mind and become by nature children of wrath So we stop having the nature that God designed us for, that spiritual connection with Him. We start living a fleshly nature and going after the things of the world. So if you want a good life, if you want a good country, you need to go back to the way that God designed you to live. The way God designed you to worship. We need to worship God. Not the things or the people that God has made. You cannot make America great again without making America morally good again. We have to have good people living the way God designed us to live. The worship of the true and living God is fundamental to life and blessing. And we can't have a good life and we can't have a a good society and we can't have the blessings that God designed us to have if we're not... Worshiping God. This is the, this is true not only for the individual, for us as, as just people, but for society. When society turns away from God, they become irreverent. They become immoral. They become fearful. They become hopeless. And if you look at the election, the election cycle this year and the news and the way people talk about it, that's exactly what we've become. We've become irreverent and immoral and fearful and hopeless which is why we're picking out of these two people that don't represent what people really want, but what people hate less. So our election is built around fear and hopelessness and not knowing what to do. And we end up... The the idea of a secular state is a lie. You know, they talk about getting God out of government. The idea that you can have a good government without God, there's no truth to it. The, The powers of the rulers are ordained by God. The Bible says that. Romans 13, I'll start off at the beginning. Romans 13.1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except by God's appointment, and the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So the person who resists just authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now that doesn't mean that every ruler is a godly ruler. Because evil people can twist and pervert the institution of government the exact same way they twist and pervert the institution of marriage. So God instituted, he, he ordained marriage, but people have taken that and turned it into something He didn't mean it to be. So God has also ordained government, but He's ordained it with specific purposes in mind. So people can take government and, and make it bad the same way they do with everything else that God makes. But when exercised according to god uh, according to the way that that god designed government promotes good and prevents evil and that's what it's meant to do both personally and local you know and nationally every level of government that's why our founders worked together to build a government based on christianity because christ is true and we're meant to worship in spirit and truth. So they built a system of government based on the truth that we come from God and we're meant to glorify God. So we want a government that promotes that because when people live their lives to glorify God, then everything's going to be better. Then government is going to be a benefit to us because it'll be a good government, a government that reflects God and helps us to live our lives to reflect God and bless our nation and bless everyone who's part of our society because Christ is is real. Christ is true. And when you live according to the way He designed us to live, everything is better. His Word is truth. And and to live our lives in obedience to His commandments is to live according to the truth and to draw people in. If we've got a good government, then people are going to want to come be a part of it, which is what happened in early America. Everybody from everywhere wanted to come and be and and see what America had and get the, the blessings and the and the wonderful things that people who were coming out of countries poor and broken and destitute and and people who were being destroyed by their own country because of their religious beliefs. Everybody wanted to come to America because they knew they could get a fresh start and a chance at prosperity and success that anybody from anywhere could become almost anything they wanted to be. And that's because we started off looking to God and glorifying God and God blessed us and we have prosperity to that. And, And that draws, if you have a government that glorifies God, it draws people in. Christ said, I will draw all men unto Me through what He did. And if you have a government that reflects that, you'll draw people to you. If it's a society that reflects Christ's grace, people are going to come and want to be a part of it. And that—that that is worshiping in truth. No founding father wanted a wall to keep the government, to keep the church out of government. You've all heard that, you know, the wall of separation. There was nobody in the formation of our government, they wanted to keep the church out of the government. They wanted to keep the government out of the church. They didn't want the government to control the church. But everybody wanted the church, the true church, to be a part of our rulership, of our, of our government. All the checks and the balances that, are, that were written into our Constitution were meant to limit the power of the federal government, to prevent them from doing more than we wanted them to do. We wanted them to do certain jobs and to take care of certain things And that's it. We said, we don't want you to go outside these bounds. You take care of this job and that's it. No more. So we made checks and balances and limits on their power so that they would only do what we wanted them to do and they wouldn't overstep that and start ruling our lives in ways we didn't want them to rule our lives. And in the same way, the biblical foundation of our law, the reason there's so much of the Bible in the Constitution, in the Declaration of Independence, it was meant to help the government to promote a moral society and to ensure that our elected leaders would work to benefit the welfare of the people rather than line their own pockets. And since we've dumped God, what do we see politicians doing? Lining their own pockets instead of working to benefit the people. The, the next verse in that same Romans 13 of verse 3 says, for the rulers cause no fear for good conduct, but for bad. So the way God designed it, rulers don't scare people who are living their lives in a good manner. But if you're living evilly and doing bad things, then you should be scared of your government in a good government. And we see the opposite today. We see people living evilly who are getting away with everything and the people living for good who have their businesses closed down and who have their you know tax... Comp- the IRS goes after them and, and uh, people get arrested for things that are... That ought to be just simple common sense. And uh, in verse 3, I'll continue. It says, Do you desire not to fear authority? Then do good, and you will receive its commendation. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be in fear, for it does not bear the sword in vain. It is God's servant to administer retribution to the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the wrath of the authorities, but also because of your conscience. So there's the connection. Not only our conscience is the same kind of government that every other government ought to be, that our society governments need to work the same way our conscience does. If you're doing good, good for you, keep up the good work. If you're doing bad, stop it or you're going to get in trouble. And every government, both personal, local, state, national, all of them, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Do good and we'll help you out. Do bad and we will punish you. That's what government is supposed to do, the way God designed it. Good government makes laws for good and protects good people, and it's a threat to evildoers. That's why our founders felt it necessary, like they wrote, to dissolve the political bands with England and assume a separate but equal station, according to the laws they wrote, of nature and of nature's God. The Bible. Everybody's built with it. Like Romans 1 said, everybody has God built in them. You look at creation, everybody knows there's a God. Everybody knows that God has set up the universe in a certain way and that we're supposed to live a certain way and avoid evil things and do good things. And they wrote that in the Declaration of Independence. Because God designed us the way He designed us, we want our government to reflect that. And the English government had become corrupt and was not following the ordained purpose that God had set for government. As it was ordained by God, and so they said, therefore, we are going to separate and form our own government that does reflect God and that does take care of good people and that does punish evil. A lot of people read this chapter and they think, where, you know, it says, well, you know, God set up government, you know, digging government, and they think, well, I guess that means that we have to do whatever the government says, regardless of what it says. Or whoever gets elected is God's desire. But that's not what it says. If you keep it in biblical context, you can see how the real job of government is to protect freedom by promoting godliness and morality. You promote godliness and morality and everybody is free. And in America, at least, where the government is supposedly for the people and of the people and by the people, it's our job to ensure that the government does its job of promoting godliness and preventing immorality. Verse 6 says, For this reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants devoted to governing. Pay everyone what is owed, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenues due, respect to, to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. So it's our duty as a government of for and by the people to make sure that our government uses our tax dollars wisely and morally for things like you know, when, when not for things when they spend money on taxpayer pundit abortions or for sex changes for people in the military or all the bad things that government uses our tax dollars for. It's our job to stop that. It's our job as the, a as the government upformed by the people to say, no, you're not going to use our money that way. That's immoral, that's wrong, and you're going to make things bad. Use our tax dollars for good purposes. Sadly, there's a lot of dishonor in our political system today and there's a lot of evil use of our tax dollars but we've also allowed government to overstep those bounds remember those the the controls and the checks and the limits on power we've allowed government to overstep that so now we're in a position where government agencies have the power to write their own rules and to seize all of your assets without a trial and to lock us in prison if they don't get their money so it's a tough job to get the government to do what it's supposed to do, but it's a worthy one and it's one we're called to. And fortunately not only do we have the founding documents that clearly state these purposes and the reasons why we why government is supposed to be that way and the you know the founding principles, but we also have the law of God written on our hearts. And the and the law of stone, you know, the Ten Commandments that, that God first gave Moses that are recorded in the Bible, confirms that law that's written on our hearts. So both individual people and civil societies ought to govern themselves according to the design and the rules that God built us, that built into us, all of us, in, and into our creation. When society cuts itself off from the law of God, it cuts itself off not only from God's blessing, but also from wisdom and from the, the order, and, and from the basic human rights that God that all come from God. That's what the Declaration says. These rights come from our Creator. So when the provider of life and liberty is rejected, then life and liberty are lost because they come from Him. And if you cut yourself off from Him, then you lose that stuff. As well as rights that come... All our, all our basic human rights come from our Maker. So even things like private property rights or proper justice, or, or the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, even peace itself. If we cut ourselves off from God, we cut ourselves off from the source of those rights, and we lose them. Which is why we're living in the world the way it is today. You've probably noticed when you turn on the TV and listen to the news about our presidential candidates that you don't you don't hear about their you know their plans to enact certain fiscal policies or how they they want to get tax plans through Congress or their philosophy towards foreign relations or or how they will help the free ordinary citizens and small businesses from the regulatory burdens of of government. You don't hear that stuff. Instead, what do you hear about? You hear about FBI investigations and allegations of sexual abuse and who has told the worst lies. If if you watch the political commercials during Game 7, I'm sure a lot of people were watching that game, you you saw commercials from both sides and, and how they used actual quotes from both candidates to reveal some very nev- negative aspects about both people. I mean, they are pretty scathing. And sadly, they were both true because they were they were direct quotes from these people. I think it's fair to say that the choice we have, it seems to me it's much more like choosing between the, the lunch school lunch cafeteria menu than it is the steakhouse lunch cafeteria menu. And, and so we're stuck in this place where... The, and, and the reason that we're stuck in this place is because we've left we've we, we've turned to government for our protection and our guidance instead of to God the nation looks to a president for providence instead of to the provider, which means we end up with trying to choose the lesser of evils rather than the greater of goods the noah webster he's the the dictionary guy he and in in many ways, he was the father of American education, of American uh, scholarship. And he said, "...in selecting men for office, let principle be your guide. Regard not the particular sect or denomination of the candidate. Look at his character. It is alleged by men of loose principles or defective views of the subject that religion and morality are not necessary or important qualifications for political stations." But the Scriptures teach a different doctrine. They direct that rulers should be men who rule in fear of God, men of truth, hating covetousness. It is the neglect of this rule that we must ascribe the multiplied frauds, breaches of trust, speculations, and embezzlements of public property, which astonish even ourselves, which tarnish the character of our country, and which disgrace our government. When a citizen gives his vote to a man or woman of known immorality, he abuses his civic responsibility. He not only sacrifices his own responsibility, he sacrifices not only his own interest, but that of his neighbor. He betrays the interest of his country. We ought to be choosing people by their character. I think it's pretty sad that everybody knows that most politicians are liars. Everybody knows that there's corruption in our political system. It is no secret that there's a revolving door between government and the Washington lobbies and that people get into government, they spend a bunch of tax dollars in order to grease the wheels for themselves, and they end up getting filthy rich using their positions as public servants. And everybody knows this happens. And yet we keep electing and re-electing these same people. Webster, the same guy, also, he said, if the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, The government will soon be corrupted. Laws will be made not for the public good so much as for selfish or local purposes. Corrupt or incompetent men will be appointed to execute the laws. The public revenues will be squandered on unworthy men. The rights of the citizens will be violated or disregarded. Sounds like a prophet, doesn't he? If you want to have a good country, then your goal as a society must necessarily be Promote morality. Increase wisdom. Teach virtue. People who live morally make wise choices. They not only benefit themselves because of that, but they benefit everyone around them. That's why the, the early American government, all our founders, they worked hard to build public schools that taught the Bible. They published through government funds the Bible to make sure that every student could have a copy. They wanted Jesus Christ in our country. They wanted Jesus Christ in our government, in our schools. I mean, think about it. Would you rather live in a society that has been raised on the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule and the Beatitudes or a society that has been taught that there is no truth, that we're all just animals, and that there's no real consequence for any of our choices? Which would you choose? If people live without self-control, without godly self-governance then society becomes a chaotic mess of unbridled greed and self-destruction and that's what we see right now all around us everywhere from the the looting and the burning rioters of, of like the black lives matter groups that do that of the from from the, the Planned Parenthood people illegally selling baby parts to the 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 big bankers who have taken our economy to the brink of destruction again and again, trying to enrich their own board members, to the highest officials in our government putting our very national security at risk in order to gain more wealth and power for themselves. From every level, we see this self-destruction and greed. John Witherspoon, he's one of the founding fathers who was also a pastor, he said, let a man's zeal profession, or even principles as to political measures be what they will. If he is without personal integrity and private virtue as a man, he is not to be trusted. he He said, The manners of people in general are the utmost moment to the stability of any civil society. When a body of people are altogether corrupt in their manners, the government is ripe for dissolution. If people can't or won't, live morally, if they refuse to control themselves with wisdom and virtue, then the first thing that happens is they start stripping away the rights and freedoms of others. When people abandon the moral law of God and, and the and they lie and they cheat and they steal and they do other immoral things, it destroys liberty because people the people who are being lied to and stolen from and cheated against are robbed of their resources and, and they're unable to pursue happiness with the fruits of their own labor because it's taken from them. So without morality, you can't have liberty. And when that kind of behavior consists on a grand scale, then the fabric of freedom simply unravels. John Witherspoon, he said again, so true is this that civil liberty cannot be long preserved without virtue. But a republic, once equally poised, must either preserve its virtue or lose its liberty and by some tumultuous revolution, either return to his first principles or assume a more unhappy form. That's why everybody should want the Bible taught in schools. That's why everybody should want the Ten Commandments posted in every public building. Another founder, Benjamin Rush, said, The only foundation for a republic is to be laid in religion. Without this, there can be no virtue. And without virtue, there can be no liberty. And liberty is the object and life of all republican governments. You can't have freedom unless everybody respects the rights and property of everybody else. And that can only happen if people choose to be self-controlled and self-governed. And that's why you can boil the whole law down to love. Because if people live by love, then they're respecting the rights of others. Romans 13 continues at verse 8, our scripture for the day. O nothing except love to one another. For the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Andrew Jackson said, no free government can stand without virtue in the people and a lofty spirit of patriotism. When the people treat one another in love and their own nation in love, there is no crime. There is no corruption. And society flourishes because of that. That's how America became a prosperity powerhouse. Verse 10 says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Another Webster, Daniel Webster, who was an early American congressman, said, Our ancestors established their system of government on morality and religious sentiment. Moral habits, they believed, cannot safely be on any other foundation than religious principle, nor any government be secure which is not supported by moral habits. If we and our posterity reflect religious instruction and authority, violate the rules of eternal justice, trifle with the injunctions of morality, and recklessly destroy the political constitution which holds us together, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe might overwhelm us and that shall bury all of our glory in profound obscurity. Our credit as a nation is failing. Our currency has lost 98% of its value since 1913. Our government is known to be full of corruption. Our constitution is ignored by the people who swore to uphold it. Our economy is teetering on a knife edge. Our job market is dried up. Our health care system is beginning to unravel. But, uh, it's starting to collapse in on itself. Uh, if we don't do something to correct our course, like Daniel Webster said, profound obscurity is exactly what will become of us. Douglas MacArthur, this is a good one. He said, History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political and economic decline. There, is, there has been either a spiritual awakening... To overcome the moral lapse or a progressive deterioration leading to an ultimate national disaster. When we, what we really need this election cycle is national repentance. For every American, if every American got on their knees and, and repented of sin and committed themselves to God, everything would be fixed. That would make us great again. Francis Grund, a journalist, wrote this. A journalist He said, The American Constitution is remarkable for its simplicity, but it can only suffice to a people habitually correct in their actions and would be utterly inadequate to the wants of a different nation. Change the domestic habits of the Americans, their religious devotion, and their high respect for morality, and it will not be necessary to change a single letter in the Constitution in order to vary the whole form of their government. Unfortunately, he wasn't a modern journalist. He died in 1863. But that was right. He said if we disappear, if we stop living our moral lives, you don't have to worry about the Constitution. People will ignore it. And that's what we're doing. A uh, couple more quotes. Margaret Thatcher, I think she nailed it. She said no government at any level or any price can afford on the crime side the police necessary to assure our safety unless the overwhelming majority of us are guided by an inner Personal code of morality, and you will not get that interpersonal code of morality unless children are brought up in a family, a family that gives them the affection they seek, that makes them feel like they belong, that guides them to the future, and that will build continuity in future generations. The greatest inequality today is not inequality of wealth or income, it's the inequality between the child brought up in a loving, supportive family and one who has been denied that birthright. Society these days it completely discounts the tradition of marriage, the the family values of the past. But all those moral behaviors, those things that we think of as you know tradition, that that, that are built on the truth. And and if we are ever going to fix things, then we need to quit trying to pretend that anybody but God can heal our land, and start living the way He designed us to live. We just simply need revival. Let me finish with the last of this chapter, verse eleven. Still in Romans 13 says, and do this because we know the time that is already. And be, and do this, that means love each other, because remember that if you love your neighbor, that takes care of the law. And do this because we know the time that is already the hour for us to awake from sleep, for our salvation is now nearer than when we became believers. The night has advanced toward the dawn, the day is near. So then. We must lay aside the works of darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let us live decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in discord and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to arouse its desires. Ronald Reagan said, A state is nothing more than a reflection of its citizens. The more decent the citizens, the more decent the state. The decency comes from Christian morality. So if we can restore that, we can make our nation great. When you, when you go to the polls in a couple of days, I hope that you'll go as informed citizens, that you'll choose the best that you can out of the people that are available. But more importantly, I hope that you'll get on your knees and you'll pray for our nation. And I hope that you'll have the Christian influence that you're meant to have and that you'll simply obey our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and make disciples. Teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. Do that, and we'll make society good. And if you have a good society because of Christian morality, everything is better for everybody. So do both those things. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You you are willing to save us, that like we celebrated with our communion, that You were willing to give Your life, to have Your body broken and Your blood shed so that we could be made new and we could be made whole. It shows just how generous and glorious and wonderful you are to save people who had sinned against you. God, our nation has sinned against you. We've turned our backs on you in government and society in many ways, and we need your restoration. We need your mercy, Lord. And so we pray this election cycle that you would have mercy, that we wouldn't get what we deserve for turning our backs on you, but that you would help us in your your generosity to help turn our society back to you to have revival in our land, to have repentance in our land, so that we can have the the blessings and the providence that You once offered us. Lord, help us to, to serve You and to find Your blessings instead of Your curses. In Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.